We're in 1 Peter 5 this morning, verse number 5, 1 Peter 5 and verse number 5, and uh, finishing up this little letter uh, written by Peter to uh, the church, and uh, the recipients of the letter were enduring incredible, incredible uh, amounts of persecution, and, uh, and so Peter writes this letter to encourage those who are in the midst of the fire, in the midst of struggles. And uh, today, as he concludes the letter, uh, we're talking today about prepare for life, to be prepared for life. And he just kind of gives a few practical uh, closing comments as he uh, uh, finishes out this letter. Beginning in verse number five, and the Bible uh, says, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Through Sylvanus, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be to, all, to you all who are in Christ. And uh, today, just talking about being prepared for life. You know, there's a, there's a motto <clears throat> that we've heard before uh, when you're talking about making preparations and, 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 and about no matter what you're doing. Uh, and, that, and that is this, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. To hope for the best, but prepare for the worst, to be prepared uh, so that come what may, I'm ready. Uh, I was reminded of that this morning, early, early, I was out at the airport. It's interesting when you get on an airplane, they prepare you for the worst, you know? They say when the oxygen mask, they tell you what to do when oxygen masks come, they tell you what to do, that there's flotation devices under there in case you go down in the water. And, uh, and, I, and I was thinking about that, <clears throat> and I thought, you know, that's preparing for the worst. Hopefully it won't happen, but if it does happen, good chance that I'm going to die anyways, but I'm prepared for that one, so... so uh, uh, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And Peter's writing and just saying, hey, listen, life is difficult. So be ready for life. Be ready for life. And so that's where he's going this morning. James chapter number one, verses two through four says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And then let this perseverance have its way in you so that you might become perfect or mature or complete in your faith. That God has plans and purposes along the way in life. And although life is difficult and life does have many trials, sometimes our trials come uh, uh, through circumstances. Sometimes it comes because of persecution. Whatever the trial might be, we all will go through difficult days because we live life in a broken world. In fact, this morning, just think of a congregation, every time we gather together, every single time that we gather together, because we are people living life in a broken world, there are broken hearts in this building. There are people in the midst of trials. There are people that are going through difficult days of persecution, even in our midst today. It might be coming from family. It might be coming from
from friends. It might be coming from the workplace, wherever it might be coming from. There are difficulties that we are plagued with because we're living life in a broken world. But I'm grateful that we have a God that will never leave us and that will never forsake us and that his grace is sufficient for us no matter what we're going through. I'm thankful for his presence in my life. And so Peter's writing, and Peter's just simply saying, hey, I'm heavy-hearted about the church, but I'm excited because of the journey that you're on. Be faithful, be prepared for the journey. And he gives several practical applications. He says a couple of things. Number one, make sure you're humble. Be humble along the way. Be humble along the way. He says there in verse number five through seven, you younger men likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. And then it goes on from there. But basically, he's saying, be humble. He says, clothe yourselves. Uh, In other words, it's a lot easier to humble yourself than to have God humble you. He says, humble yourself. And he says it a couple of times in this passage. Humble yourselves. And, and, And the word simply means this, to tie a knot, to tie a knot. It's a reference to a servant, a slave, who whenever they were serving their master, they would take an apron and tie it into place and say, I'm ready for service. I'm here to submit to your desires, to surrender, to serve you faithfully. And he's saying that's what it means to humble yourself before the Lord, to humble yourself. The Bible says in Colossians, chapter number 3 and in verse number 12. Colossians 3 and in verse number 12, the Bible says this, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on, put on a heart of compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience to be humble towards one another. You know, he tells us this and the reason why he tells us to make sure you're humbling yourself. The reason he says that is because we struggle. We have the propensity, everybody in this place, no matter who you are, where you're coming from, uh, because we have flesh, we have a fallen nature, we have the propensity to struggle with pride. I mean, we just do. When you're thinking about pride, I've heard it said this way, pride's the only disease that, that makes everybody sick except for the person who has it. Pride. You know, pride is one of those things, if we're not careful, we struggle with those things along the way. I heard a story about a young lady, and she, she was so distraught. She called a preacher. She said, hey, hey, preacher, preacher, I'm struggling with pride. I'm struggling with pride. Every single day I look in the mirror, I see myself, and I think, man, I am the most beautiful girl in the whole world. And the preacher replied, and he said, well, you're not struggling with pride. Your struggle is with imagination. <laughs> Anyways. Oh. He says, hey, humble yourself. And, 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 he, and he talks about humbling ourselves in two ways. In fact, when you're talking about humbling yourself, it, it really manifests itself. Our, 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 our humble spirit will manifest itself in a couple of different ways. Number one, we're going to be submissive. We're going to be submissive, and, and we're going to be servants. That's what it means. How does it work itself out? How does it flesh itself out when you're talking about humility? It submits itself, number one. But number two, it also seeks to serve along the way. And so he says, humble yourself to your family, first and foremost, through the act of submission. Verse number five, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And then it goes on from there. And when you're talking about elders here, earlier 
in the letter, he's writing to elders and he's speaking to the position. At this point, I believe that he's speaking to age. And he's saying, hey, I'm addressing an issue that plagues the church, always has and always will. And what is that issue that he's addressing? The issue that he's addressing here is what we would call generational divisions. Generational divisions plaguing the church. He says, hey, younger men, be submissive to the older folks in the church. Make sure you're paying attention. And, and, and when you're talking about a church, that's always plagued the church. In fact, what happens to us along the way, uh, if we're not careful, is our younger men will grow impatient with older folks, and older folks sometimes can be intolerant of younger folks. I mean, that's just how it works. It's generational divisions. And he's saying, hey, be careful when you're gathering together. Uh, don't, don't seek position before your time. Uh, in, in the body. Don't seek position before your time within the body. Make sure that you're submissive to those. That doesn't mean we don't pull up places at the table. Aren't you thankful for a church? I'm grateful to God. You know, a lot of times what, what the answer is that many churches have is, is that we're going to become a generational, a single generational church. And that's not the church. I don't believe God intended the church to be one generation, one younger generation, or just an older generation. But from the time a person's born till the time they die, and whatever the age is in between, we all gather together. And he says, hey, when we're gathering together, just pay attention, be careful. And so it's exciting when we do gather together because sometimes what happens to us is, is, is we're, I don't even know where I fit in there. I, I, I like to think I'm younger, but I'm not younger anymore. But uh, 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 I, 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 I've, I've lost touch with, with what's happening with the younger. And, uh, and, and I need help. And, and, and what happens to, to older people is we need to recognize and be teachable, and, and, and we're going to talk about how we go about functioning. But, but the younger people, be patient, be patient, because we, we need to be taught along the way. And, and senior people, older folks, I'm not a senior yet, but older folks, uh, uh, be teachable. Uh, it's, it's interesting. It's what, what's happening in the church. It's, it's always changing. And the fact of the matter is, if it's not changing, it's dying. And so when you're talking about bringing these changes in there, it's difficult to bring changes in there. And so there needs to be that education part, and there needs to be patience with one another along the way. I'm so thankful to God. I mean, so, so thankful to God. Uh, today, we, we use social media for your basically your front porch of your church. And I'm telling you right now, I have no clue what that's all about. I don't. And a lot of other folks don't know either. Uh, but, but, but you know who does that for us? Young people. That's who does it for us, young people, and I'm grateful to God. He's not saying, hey, we're not bringing stuff to the table, just simply saying, hey, listen, you know what? You bring a lot of, a lot of new ideas and freshness to the table as a young person, but you know what the older person brings to the table? Experience. Experience. And together, we're better. Together, we're better. And so he's just simply saying, hey, make sure, make sure <clears throat> that you're uh, submissive to the older folks along the way. But then also serve one another. He, he's quick to just go follow that up in verse number five. And he says, and, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. In other words, how do you clothe yourself with humility towards one another? You serve one another. Be willing to serve one another. In fact, the apostle Paul describes the attitude that we should have. See, Peter's writing to a group of people where he's concerned about the health of the church because people need to be gathering the church, especially, especially when the fires of persecution are raging all around. 
We need a place to go for encouragement. We need a place to go that's healthy. We need a place to go where we find love. We need that place, the church. So he's concerned about the health of the church. He's wrapping up this letter, and he says, make sure that you're humble. Make sure that you're submissive, but then serving one another. Paul says, here's the spirit of a healthy church. Here's the spirit of a healthy believer. Philippians chapter number two and verses number three and four. And this is, this is some deep stuff what he's talking about. He says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. You know, when you're talking about the church, the church needs to be a place where people are marked with humility. You know what humility does for a body? Humility helps with the unity in the body. Humility will help with unity in the body. You know what pride does? It brings dissension. You know why? Because pride says, I got all the answers. (laughs) And at the end of the day, none of us do. I was asked a question, in fact, not long ago. I was asked a question, because uh, I've been here for a little while. And, uh, and somebody asked me this question, said, hey, what's, what's the greatest struggle at your church? What's the greatest struggle at your church? How would you like to be asked that question as a pastor? What's the greatest struggle? You know what my greatest struggle is at this church? Me. God help me to be the servant you want me to be. He says, make sure you have a humble heart. Humility is exercised not only towards one another, but it's exercised towards a heavenly father. Verses number six and seven, he says this. Let me back up. He says, God is opposed to the proud, verse number five, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Humility is exercised towards the Father. You know, when you're talking about pride, pride and God, there's mutual opposition between pride and God. Mutual opposition. What does that mean? That means that a prideful person doesn't receive God's grace. A prideful person is not one that's submissive in heart and humble in heart. And, and, and the Bible says God resists the proud. God's, God resists the proud. He's not there to embrace the proud. He resists the proud. Why does he resist the proud? Well, when you think about it, the very first step in our salvation, you know, back to vacation Bible school days, the ABCs of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number one, first of all, A, admit to God that I'm a sinner. Well, well, a prideful person can't come to that point because I don't have problems. But the Bible's very clear. The Bible says this in Romans 3, 23, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Do you realize that in my relationship with God Almighty, the only thing I bring to the table is a problem? That's all I bring to the table is my problems. And the only way we can get to that point is to humble ourselves before him, acknowledging and agreeing that all have sinned, that I have sinned, And my sin separates me 
from God Almighty. It's necessary for the very first step in my relationship with God. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The humble first step in humility is recognizing that I am a sinner, number one, but then also for my sanctification process, my sanctification process to become more and more like Jesus Christ. It requires humility. Why does it require humility? Because I don't become sanctified because of any of my own personal actions. In fact, the Bible says it this way. Uh, in fact, Ross did something uh, for us this week on, on, on social media, whatever that means. Uh, he was out there, and, 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 he, and he was talking in, in John 15, in John chapter 15, in verse number 5, the Bible says, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and he who abides in me will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. Our sanctification is dependent upon humility. That's why God says, hey, I resist the proud, but I'll give grace to the humble. Those who acknowledge me, those who surrender to my plans and to my purposes. And at the end of the day, when we surrender ourselves to his plans and his purposes, that's when I can cast all of my anxieties on him because he cares for you. If he's the one in charge of my plans and my purposes, then I'm completely dependent upon him. And so he says, don't even worry about those things. And that's coming from Peter, by the way. No matter what you're faced with today, that is one of those encouraging verses. Cast all of your anxieties on the Lord because he cares for you. That is an encouraging word. No matter what you're facing today, no matter what your trial is, no matter what your persecution is, God, I'm dependent upon you. I need you today to take care of business. And aren't you thankful that he will? And that's coming from Peter, by the way. That's what's always interesting is when you're looking at the writers, Peter's speaking from personal testimony. He's speaking out of personal testimony. He says, hey, I was there. Hey, remember, I was the one that stepped out of the boat. <laughs> and when the wind and the waves started raging, I was sinking and I was desperate. And I just said, help. And he extended his hand. And he helped me. Peter would be one that would say, hey, Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You know, back in Matthew's gospel, Matthew's talking and <clears throat> saying, hey, don't worry. Remember, he, he used an illustration. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Don't worry about it, all these things. And, and, and he says, lift up your eyes and look at the birds. Look at the birds. In other words, those insignificant dime a dozen little tweeties. Look up there. It says, your heavenly father, they're, they're not worried. They're not worried about what they're going to eat. Why in the world should you, when you're made in the image of God, why should you have these worries and anxieties you see, when we are surrendered to him and when we're humble before him, we recognize that he has plans and he has purposes and I don't need to worry about my next promotion and I don't need to worry about provision. I just need to humble myself before his hand and he will exalt me in due time. That's what he does. In due time. By the way, by the way, do you know that people can be promoted before they're ready for promotion? And it happens all the time in churches it happens all the time in churches. People can be promoted before they ought to be promoted. 
What happens along the way? We'll take somebody that's gifted along the way and say, man, they need to be up on a platform. And they're just not ready to be on a platform. And they go up like a rocket and come down like a rock. You've seen it. And that's why he's saying, hey, just, just be patient. God has plans. Your father has purposes for you. You are God's workmanship, Ephesians 2 and verse number 10. You're his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for the works that he has prepared for you in advance. I don't want to get in front of him. But I don't want to get behind him. I just want to be in step with him. God, help me along the way. And so he's just writing and he's saying, hey, make sure that your life is marked with humility. It's necessary in the life of a healthy believer. Humility is necessary for a healthy church. God, help me. Give me humility in my life. But number two, he goes on and he says, make sure you're careful along the way. Be watchful along the way. Be watchful along the way. Verses number eight and nine. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, your accuser, the devil. You know what the devil means? Slanderer. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Firm in your faith knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Why does he say that? You know why he says that? Because sometimes you feel all alone in your struggles. Nobody knows. Nobody understands. But can I tell you something? When you get to know people, when you get to know saints of God, everybody's got a story. Everybody goes through difficulties along the way at some point along the way. And that's why we need one another, so that we might encourage one another, so that we might stimulate one another to good works. And so he says, hey, be careful. Be watchful along the way. Uh, be sober. Be sober. Don't get crazy-minded. In other words, be in control of your thoughts. Why? Because sometimes our minds kind of get crazy on us, especially when we're in the midst of difficulties especially when we're in the midst of trials, especially when we're in the midst of persecution along the way. Sometimes we just get crazy-minded. We forget what God's Word says. We forget that we're supposed to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. We forget that we ought to gather with believers. A lot of times people get in the midst of difficult days and they say, man, I'll be back to church whenever things get better. When the fact of the matter is, when they're bad, you need to be here. And we need to be encouraging one another along the way. So he says, be sober-minded. Don't let your mind, don't let your mind get carried away. And be on the alert. Be watchful. Watch out. Why? Because there's danger. There's danger. You know what the danger is? The devil. He says, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And you know what the problem that we have? You know what the problem is that plagues the church? We don't take the danger seriously. We don't take the danger seriously. He says, walk circumspectly. Be careful. Watch what's happening. I mean, think about it. Realistically, he's, he's using a, a, a picture, an image, and he says, hey, a lion. Imagine, imagine if a literal lion were walking around in a parking lot today. You'd walk different to your car. I'd send Hunter to go get my car. <laughs> Not because he's dispensable. He's just faster and younger than me. But uh, 
you'd walk differently. You'd pay attention a little bit better. You'd see the danger that exists. And the reason why so many people shipwreck their faith is because they don't see the danger. You go back and look at the Old Testament saints. And, and, and I imagine that any one of them, if they could speak to us today, would say, hey, there's danger out there. When Samson went down, when Samson went down and saw a pagan girl, said, oh, it's just one look, it's not a big deal. Danger. When David stayed home and wasn't where he was supposed to be, and he looked and saw a woman, it's just one look. Danger. Danger. You say, are you a paranoid preacher? I'm not paranoid. But I know that there's a devil, and he's seeking to devour, and he's waiting for a vulnerable moment. And you're most vulnerable when you think that there's not a big deal. God, help me to recognize the danger along the way. He says, be watchful as you live. Be watchful as you live. How do you be watchful? How do you resist? Stand firm in your faith. Know what you believe and whom you believe. Know that there's danger out there. In fact, how do you do that? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 12, very practical steps here. In Romans chapter number 12, uh, I have verse 2, but let me back up to verse number 1. It's verse 2 is up here, but let me pick up 1 and I'll get to verse 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. God help me. You know, <clears throat> you hear a lot of advice from different people over the years, and I'm grateful for that. And I pray to God that we would have a teachable heart, no matter who you are, no matter what your age is, that you have teachable hearts along the way. <clears throat> one, of, one of my mentors is, is actually retired from pastoring now. Still serving Jesus, but he's retired from pastoring now. And uh, just recently, even following his retirement... Uh, he reminded us of this passage of scripture. And he says, always remember this. He said, always remember this. The devil is not in any hurry to take you down and to take you out. He's waiting for the vulnerable moment. And oftentimes what happens is you get prideful and you get arrogant and you stop paying attention. And that's when he takes you down and he takes you out. God help me to guard my heart. Help us to guard our heart along the way. He says, be, be watchful, pay attention. But at the end of the day, make sure you're faithful. Be faithful till the end. Be faithful till the end. He says, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, in other words, why does he say that? Because his grace saved me, his grace keeps me, and his grace will carry me Home. His grace is sufficient for his power is perfected in my weaknesses. Knowing this, that when I am weak, 
then he is strong. And in the midst of my difficulties, in the midst of my circumstances, situation, trials, persecutions, whatever form or fashion the difficulty is in my life, I know that his grace is sufficient to carry me and to keep me. I'm so thankful. I am so thankful today for his faithfulness to me. But the Bible says, when you suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then he goes on from there and he says, through Sylvanus, our brother. And so people look at that and we're not exactly sure 100%, but some would say that he's writing in a little bit of hidden language, just talking about Silas, uh, uh, but calling him Sylvanus and then talking about the church and referring to the church as she who is in Babylon sends you uh, greetings. And so does my son, John. But he backs up there in verse number 12. I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. And then it goes on to talk about Mark sending greetings. It's interesting when he's writing because he's just writing and he's he's wrapping up his thoughts, so many thoughts along the way. But at the end of the day, he's saying, hey, make sure you stay faithful to the end. Be faithful to the end. You're in the midst of difficulties. Difficulties will come into your life, but be faithful to the end. And, and, And to be faithful to the end, you need to be connected to the body. need to be important to you. In fact, he even goes on to say, greet each other down there in verse number 14 with a kiss of love. You know, you don't greet each other with a kiss of love unless you really love them. And when you're talking about the health of a church, church ought to be a place where you go and you know. Church ought to be a place where you know the good, the bad, and the ugly, but I still love. Because we're going to need one another. And and, and he writes, and it's interesting when he's writing because, again, Peter's one. He says, make sure you're faithful to the end. Peter himself struggled along the way. His faith faltered several times along the way. But you know what happened when his faith faltered? God was faithful. And Peter was able to get back up and keep on going. And the same is true with Mark. When you're looking at these names that he comes up with, what about little Mark? Mark was the one, Mark was the one, by the way, who went out on the first missionary journey with Paul. Remember when, when, when John Mark and Barn, uh, Barnabas and Paul went out on their missionary journey, and all of a sudden they get out there, and Mark abandoned them, he jumped ship on them. Right? And Paul later said, he's not going with us again. Could you imagine disappointing the Apostle Paul in ministry? I mean, I'm just saying realistically, and I know that you, know, I know that you say, well, he's not God and he ought not to be worried about that. I understand all that. But our human nature, the Apostle Paul, you, you failed him. You failed the mission. But you know what happened? He came back home. And when he came back home, there was Peter. Peter who had denied Christ three times and wept bitterly until he was restored in relationship and restored in ministry. He had forfeited himself. And the angel said, hey, go back and tell the disciples and make sure you get Peter to come because he's already forfeited himself and he ought not do that. He needs to finish. I got a job for him to do. And Peter was restored That's the man that came to Mark when Mark came back to Jerusalem after abandoning the mission, feeling like I failed.
Peter wrapped him up and restored him to ministry. Today we have the gospel of Mark as a result. Along the way, we're going to go through difficulties along the way. We're going to go through struggles along the way. And sometimes along the way, our faith is going to fail us. We're going to falter. We're going to stumble and fall. Peter says, make sure you get back up. Keep on going. Stay plugged in. Love one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Why? Because you and I need encouragement. We need one another along the way. Be faithful till the end. Be faithful till the end. I don't know where you are this morning. A couple of questions. Number one is, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because that's where it all begins. It's not just about being a church member or being a religious person. It's about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Because the Bible is so clear. It says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God demonstrated his great love for you and for me. And that while we were still sinners, he died on a cross for us. And he did it because our sin separates us from God and God loves you and God loves me and he desires intimacy with us. And if you don't have relationship with him, I'm inviting you today to call on his name. It's not about going to church. You can be in church all your life and still go to hell. If you don't have relationship, call on his name today. Let me ask you this question. Maybe you're a believer today, but you'd say, I've kind of thrown in the towel. And I'm struggling, I've checked out. I want to encourage you this morning. Repent. God forgive me for throwing in the towel. He still has plans and purposes for you. That's, I believe, beyond anything that you can even imagine. Anything that we can ask or imagine to him who is able to do immeasurably more in our life. Get back in the game. Be faithful to the end. Be faithful to the end. Would you do me a favor this morning and join me for prayer? We're going to pray and after we pray, we're going to sing a song and after the song has been sung, we'll be down front. Maybe you here this morning say, I, I need a relationship with God. I'm inviting you to come this morning. You come today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your goodness to us, Father. I thank you once again for your tender mercies that have met us new even today. And Heavenly Father, I'm asking you, if you'd search our hearts and search our minds, Father, each and every person in this place. And God, if there be any today that don't have relationship with you, God, that your Holy Spirit would open eyes, Father. That your Holy Spirit would give life where there's not life. God, I pray that you'd bless each one of us, beginning with me. Give us a broken and a contrite heart towards sin. God, please, I pray that you have your way today. Father, I thank you for our church. I pray that you'd help us know how to stimulate one another to good works today. Even now, help us, God. I thank you for your goodness, and I thank you for your grace. And God, this morning, I want to continue to be in prayer for our teenagers, Father, as they're up in Tekoa. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just bless them with your presence through your spirit. God, I pray for clarity as people are speaking your word. God, I pray, Father, that these kids would come back changed because they met intimately with you. Oh, God, I know that when we meet with you, you change us. God, thank you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, I continue to pray for our convention. 
Father, as many, many eyes will be watching, God, please give unity. God, I pray that the sole purpose would be to exalt you and to reach people with the gospel. Oh, God, we love you. We thank you for this day. Have your way now. In Jesus' name, amen.